Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. The classic awkward introduction. We love it. So here we are, round two tonight. Uh, Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Father Mike, Father John from. Roma, Bella Roma, and uh, we ran out of whiskey, so we're drinking Aperol Spritz, which is... A, yeah, that's supposed to come before the this dinner. This is a, an aperitivi, so you're supposed to drink this before dinner, but here we are at uh, a nice 9.30 at night drinking Aperol. Gen- gentle, bubbly, cold drink. Right. It's delightful. It's almost like a dessert. Yeah, it is. It's kind of tasty. So Your favorite uh, dessert is the Vino Santo. I love the Vino Santo, yeah. Have yeah. we talked about that? I'm sure many times, but uh, oh. it's worth talking about again. And it's a Tuscan thing, I think. So I uh, was at a Tuscan restaurant last night with Father Austin Lickey. And uh, did I talk about this already? I had Canelio for dinner last night. Yeah, you talked about Canelio. Rabbit. The I rabbit. It. it was amazing. Yeah. So. No, we're not talking about your rabbit again. We had some Vincenta. Well, would you like to introduce our guest? Yeah, morning, we so. got the coolest cat from Colorado in town, um, Chris Moore, an old friend from Christ the King Parish in Evergreen. Um, he is on a, I mean, this is the kind of thing that like everybody's wanting to do all the time. This, uh, glorious food and culture tour of Italy. Have you seen a lot of food and culture? We've seen plenty of food and culture and thanks guys for having me on. Um, yeah, I mean, we've done, it's called Christian culture and cuisine, in Tuscany and Rome. So um, we've been um, eating our way across Italy from Tuscany now down into Rome. Um, I think I've gained at least 10 pounds even with all the walking that we've done. But uh, it's been, yeah, really fun to... What is the best um, food that you've tasted and culture that you've tasted, like, received? I, I don't can know. you taste culture? Uh, <laughs> um, gosh, I, the food is a tough one because there have been uh, many, many, many great uh, meals. One of the things that we've been done is we've rented a castle up in Tuscany and we've been a taking castle cooking people. Yeah. A castle. We've been taking some cooking lessons, learning how to make um, pasta like, you know, gnocchi and um, tali tali. Uh, so, I mean, some of those just meals that we, that we learned how to do and cook together were awesome because we're cracking up at a bottle of wine. We're um, kind of sharing stories about what we've done for the day and rolling out dough. And it took to feed 14 people. Um, it took, a couple hours to make all the pasta. But, um, so that was really fun. Um, there's a really good, and I don't even know what it's called. There's a really good pastry that we got in the, in the Jewish, um, ghetto, uh, yesterday. It was awesome. Um, you know, a good porchetta and a CC is always fantastic. Uh, and now are you going to, re- are you going to remember how to make this stuff? Cause I expect you to make this stuff for me when I come back to Denver. Yeah. I, we, we recorded all the recipes. Now I, I mean the ingredients in Colorado aren't quite as good as the ingredients here. Um, so I, I, you know, can't take responsibility for that. And my memory is terrible. And I mean, I, and I, I, I can't even execute a simple recipe. So now you've got, we'll see if I can, you've got like do it. probably a thousand people right now who want to be a part of your parish. <laughs> Just <laughs> a couple of hey, minutes know, of talking. It, I, do you have a good website? <laughs> we do have a good website. Um, it's just a plug. Um, I, I didn't ask for one, by the way. But um, yeah, our parish website is ctkevergreen.com. It's, but it's, you know, this is kind of a tour that we devised among friends. Um, most people who are on it are just people that I know that have traveled with me before. Uh, and, you know, we just thought it'd be fun to kind of 
with a lot of pilgrimages, you're going, 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 and it's, you're, you're up at 6.30, you're out the door at 7, uh, you're back at 9 o'clock at night because you've eaten out, and we wanted to do something where we could just have a couple places where we could lay our head. We've only stayed in two places over 11 days. and A castle. Um, a castle, <laughs> um, which is awesome. You know, it's like you, it's 22 kilometers from Siena, so you wake up and you're in the middle of a field. You're looking down at the horses on one side and uh, the vineyards on the other. It's very, you know, very serene. Area, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we just used it as a base of operations and got to Cortona, got to... Um, Firenze, I got to Sisi, like I said, Siena, Orvieto, um, Montepulciano, which is so. Chris one does of my some of this so. stuff where um, he, he serves as a guide for pilgrimages as well. So if you want to look him up, uh, you can do that too. But uh, we and been, I give free advice um, and, and share some of my favorite stuff. But no, that's all for me. <laughs> well, it's yeah, it's great to see you. It's great to have you in in town. It's great to have a uh, Denver friend here coming through town. Just kind of, you know, this is the funny thing about our life in Rome is like uh, we're, we're in the library all day and all of a sudden it's like, ah, a friend from Colorado just kind of shows up at the door and uh, here they are. So it's good to have you in town. I think uh, one of the things with, with Chris is he's done this for a number of uh, years and um, you, you have to learn kind of the Italian culture. You know, it, it takes time to kind of figure out how these things work and I feel like after two and a half years, I'm I'm still learning how this how this all works. And I was in a CC a couple weeks ago with uh, Johnny Fraker and Emily, and uh, we decided uh, on Sunday morning. I was like, you know what, you got to experience like a CC. We're going to go down to the Basilica of St. Francis, but we're going to go just to a regular mass, you know. And that and that's yeah, uh, yeah, their mass. I don't want. I'm not going to say mass for you in the in the Airbnb. Let's go. Let's go to a real. Italian mass, and it, you might not understand what the hell's going on, but you know you'll enjoy it. Well, we get down there to the Basilica of Saint Francis, and uh, there's a huge line. I mean, this thing is just like out of control, and it's about ten minutes before the liturgy starts, and uh, we got a we got a train to catch. So I'm like, you know what? Let me show you how it works in Italy. So we just walk up to the front of the line, and there's the guys with the you know Uzis up there, you know, oh, huge boy. guns, and I just was like just kind of work myself into a bit of a panic, you know? And I'm, I'm trying to speak goes in, like, a long way. in Italian about, like, how I need to kind of celebrate this Mass. It's very important, and I have to bring these two people through. And I'm just panicking, panicking, panicking. And uh, the guy's like, ah, you know, and there's, like, you know, there's, like, 2,000 people in line, so they're looking at us like, what the hell are these people doing, you know? And he goes, do you have any ID to show? And I was like, yeah, I do. I have a celebrant from Rome. I'm a priest of Rome. Or whatever, you know. But I actually didn't have a celebrant because we had turned ours in to Elizabeth. Oh yeah, because We're getting they had gotten, right now. It, they had expired. So um, I just instinctively, in my kind of worked up into a kind of panic, I had uh, opened up my wallet and I pulled out the first card that I found and I showed it to him and it was my REI membership card <laughs> <laughs> and I showed it to him and he looks at me and he goes, it goes so fast. like, what, what are you doing? What is this thing? <laughs> and I was like, uh, this is my I'm ID in Rome. And he goes, va bene così. And he just goes, and he lets <laughs> us ahead, pass. And so we just kind of passed through the line of 2,000 people and we got into the mass and it was absolutely glorious. There was this huge kind of choir, but uh, you know, oh, yeah. you learn these things as you go. So yeah, anyways, Chris has figured these things Panic out, but goes I'm still a long learning way. them. Yeah. <laughs> You also have to be ready for surprises. The other uh, yesterday, Sunday, um, we were looking for a mass. We got rained in, so you couldn't go very far. So we went to the first one, and it was uh, in Rome, and it was a Filipino community, <laughs> and it was uh, it was all in Tagalog, like the local language. It's like a mix of 
local local dialect and Arabic influence, Spanish, English, and uh, they had all kinds of extras, like the birthday blessings at the end. Well, they did roll call at the beginning, which I think you missed. They and it, I think it was just the prayer intentions, but because I, I don't speak, I only speak like one word of Tagalog, which is Mabuhai, which is like their oh, version of Aloha. It's you know, hello and <laughs> goodbye. Um, so yeah, I think they did. They did the roll call at the beginning because they they just name after name after name after name. Then they got down to mass, and then yeah, afterwards they had they had the the birthdays, and they gave them a card. They gave everyone who's celebrating a birthday a card, which I thought was very nice. I think it was anniversaries as well. Yeah. So, oh, I like this roll call thing. We should start doing that. Hey, roll call American pastors. <laughs> <laughs> think about this. Take a little note from the Filipini. Okay, so. Um, I was just sweating it out in my room because they turned on the heat, but I've been rocking this uh, old space heater for a while. So I had that thing cranked up all the way, and this thing is like a, a beast. It's it, it sounds like a monster. Yeah, like <laughs> It's like that thing in uh, Home Alone. You remember that furnace right, down right, below right. that he was so scared yeah. of? I'm afraid of my own <laughs> space heater, but I have to use it because it's been cold. So now I got both of them cranked up. And we just walked in there, and it was like a sweat box. It was like a sauna, <laughs> I swear. Well, the other thing is, you know, we've been watching Stranger Things, too. And uh, yes, yes, that's right. Are you a fan? Fist pumps. We got, Chris yeah, likes it, too. Chris likes it. It's, uh, and uh, so you might get sucked into the, you know, the other world or whatever that thing's called, the you know. Down. The Upside Down. The Upside and, Down. Uh, I, you know, you, yeah. If anybody was going to get sucked into the Upside Down, it would definitely be you, I think. So. Now, see, I didn't know if those other guys were going to banter about Stranger Things, but uh, yeah. um, I, I loved it, all except the fact that uh, Barb's not back, because uh, that's Barb, all I get... wanted. I wanted one <laughs> thing. I don't know. They could all die. They could all lose their way. Uh, but what about Barb? Barb's fantastic, but I mean, it's got that was part a big part of the story was that they you know they had to deal with the fact that she wasn't coming back and they had to tell her parents. I don't know how far you guys are along. I mean, I finished it. No, we're done. Okay, good, good, because I you know I had we're done, and I might be done forever. Where's no Barb? season three for you? Oh no, 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 no! It's it's too too well, good. It's fun. It's way too Those good. Those kids are so yeah, yeah. funny. I thought season two was way better than season one. I mean, and season one was great, but I mean, season two was just. The scale, everything was awesome. It was great. It was good. Yeah, we did kind of a marathon over here, a show a night for about, what, two weeks? The guy above me uh, complained uh, very gently, but he was just like, what have you guys been doing for the last, like, nine days? Because we were watching one every night, and we had it, like, cranked up in here. And that little Bose speaker can really put out a lot of a lot of volume, I guess. Oh, yeah. But we were, like, totally he into it. He complimented you on your... Mega sound Meg, system. He, he which was a this, like, backhanded yeah, compliment. Huge speakers all over this room, but just that little guy in the corner. But yeah. Oh, yeah. So, anyways, don't get sucked into the. Well, uh, I didn't sleep for a week or whatever. Uh, it's a scary show. <laughs> I'm kind of a lightweight. <laughs> but then, but is uh, it a scary show? Because a lot of people say to me, "I don't want to watch it because I don't like scary stuff." You know? No, it's and the I'm music, like, it's dude. Scary. It's the it's music. It's in, it's intense. It keeps you on the edge of your seat, but it's not like. It's not like freaky scary. It's a thriller. They literally like played Saw thriller or something. Yeah, literally. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, in the trailer. Um, okay. So anyway, uh, life has lightened up again. And last night I dreamed about this ice cream truck chasing me, and then whenever it would catch me, um, the guy would insist that I eat this 
great ice cream. It it was actually very good. I don't I'm not too into desserts as you know, but it was delightful. And then the little jingle that they play on the ice cream truck turned into this cool dance track and everybody started dancing. And then and then uh, like as dreams go, um I realized I need to find my brother my brother's dog cuz it got out of the house and I'm chasing after it. Your dreams are way more awesome than mine. mine oh, they're like weird, psycho man. Psycho thrillers, but yours are. This just one like was happy chasing though. Chasing dogs and eating ice cream. It definitely was a dream, though, if you were actually eating something sweet. Because I think no, one Chris of and I people. got gelato yesterday, and it was tasty. Oh, you actually enjoyed it. Yeah. See, that's that's love, Chris, because he does not. He wouldn't eat gelato with me. It's you know, it's he's a savory no, it's guy. A, it's unusual. He'll eat peanuts, but no, gelato. That's a, that's for special friends. You know? Wow. Well, it's showed up in my dreams. I that's, think things could be changing. Yeah, that's true. Conversion happens. Conversion happens. So, all right. Well, let's talk about the Holy Ghost in Acts. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a nepple. Nepple. That's transition. a quick transition. Yeah. I know. Um, the sisters in the house here, the Polish sisters, asked me to do a day of reflection for them, which is just like a talk. I mean, it's maybe twenty-five minutes, a half an hour talk on the Holy Spirit. The trouble is. They, I have to I have to do the talk in Italian. Ooh, and I my Italian is pretty rough right now. I mean, I've just been in the library, right? You know, reading German books, and you've been reading a lot of German. Speaking I'd like to, English in the house. I would like to just say how how awesome my brother is here because he's been reading German all day. This forum is geschickt. It's not like I actually know. The reason I spend so much time is because I have no idea what they're saying. Right. But thank God for Google Translate and wordreference.com. Oh, yeah. Another plug. Yeah. (laughs) We're actually getting paid for that one. I don't think they (laughs) listen, but yeah. It's amazing. Okay. So the sisters want this presentation on the Holy Spirit. And I thought, well, I might as well, you know, throw it out there on Catholic stuff. Just as a way to get my thoughts in order and prepare it. No, are you yeah, ready? Absolutely. That's what you want to hear about the Holy Spirit. You like you the Holy Spirit? It? I'm, uh, you know, yeah. I, I had no, no idea what we were. One getting of the persons so of the Holy Trinity. Good. Yep. Okay, so I can't. This is this is like the organization of the. If if you want to give feedback, you can give feedback about the organization of this sort of presentation. I got to talk about the Holy Spirit and Acts. Right. So you, you kind of just hit the drawing board and say, well, how do you organize something like that? And so my idea is um, five modes, no, five powers of the Holy Spirit, okay, in Acts, and then these two big Pentecosts to kind of uh, catch their interest. Okay, there you How go. many Pentecosts do you know about? I thought you were going to say, I'm going to tie the Holy Spirit into the different seas on the moon. Oh, yeah. It's like, you already did that with No, Mary. I can't get that creative in Italian. <laughs> Seriously, dude. I'd love to do that kind of stuff, but sorry, not going to happen. Okay, five. So this is more about, like, moments what does the, the Holy Spirit Pentecost. look like in, the, in Acts, and then how is that going to help your spiritual life? Right. Right? Okay. So um, I think the, the five buckets that I've, I've got are this uh, spirit of mission, Spirit of guidance or discernment, spirit of communion, and spirit of boldness or insight. That sounds like four. And then (laughs) page two of my PDF. (laughs) 
the spirit of serenity and mercy. There we go. Hey, hey, hey. All right. Well, I'm glad I you just want to make sure everybody gets <laughs> what they, you know, have been promised. So I'm sorry. I'm telling you, my my language capabilities are limited. I only know the first four numbers. Okay, so the Holy Spirit, you're thinking about the Holy Spirit in Acts. Um, this is a spirit that Jesus had from his baptism. It actually, from before that, the first mention of the Holy Spirit is in Luke. You remember, this is a two-part uh, book, Luke and Acts. First mention is Mary being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, and then the incarnation happening on account of this um, encounter, right? And her yes. So that's the first. That's the first mention. But the Spirit follows Jesus through his life, and is inspiring him, giving him power. Uh, for his mission and his life and his death and then resurrection. Question. Is the Holy Spirit spoken of in the Old Testament? Yeah, in a lot of different ways. So it's hard exactly to identify the Holy Spirit as a person, as if it's in the way that that Christians talk about the Trinity. Um, But there's definitely references to, to God's Spirit throughout the... Uh, throughout the Old Testament. And the most important for Luke is going to be from Isaiah 61, where, he, where Jesus introduces himself and his ministry in Nazareth. You remember the scene yeah, at the yeah, synagogue the in Nazareth? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me with the Spirit um, for all of these you know, good works, um, proclaiming good news to the poor, doing healings, doing miraculous things. Right. Right. And so this is kind of the point of reference for him. There's other mentions in the Old Testament, but that's like a very good point to start. Here's why I ask, because the first reading this morning, this is Monday, uh, the 13th of November, was from Wisdom, and it said, For the Holy Spirit of discipline flees deceit and without and withdraws from senseless counsels, but it has holy, lowercase, and spirit capitalized. And I didn't look at it in the Septuagint mm. or anything, but I was like, I was like, what is the Old Testament understanding of this thing, you know? Yeah. Like, is that Holy Spirit, or is that just kind of some other, you know? Yeah, it's hard to tell, because you do have, like, a Spirit of God influencing people, the Ruach, remember? The breath right. of God, that's right. the word Spirit. Um, but it's not just something that could be an attitude or an adjective that applies to human beings. Right. The Spirit of God rested over the waters, right. or rested over the deep before creation, right. right? This is something independent of human beings, even before human beings. Mm-hmm. But is it God? Is it some attribute of God? Is it a power of God? What exactly is it? Right. I don't think we know that until Jesus comes along and kind of makes that known, you know? Okay. But it's around, and it's inspiring. From inspi- the very beginning, from It's Genesis, inspiring yeah. the prophets especially. Right. Yeah. That's kind of where you see it the most in the yeah. Old Testament. Cool. Okay, so this spirit is um, alive in the work and life of Jesus. And then at the end of Luke, um, Jesus says to his followers, wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. Um, Acts picks up and says these, uh, these apostles have been waiting in Jerusalem until they are uh, given the inheritance of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so it's kind of linking these two scenes, the end of Luke and the beginning of Acts. Um, There's going to be this great gift of the Holy Spirit that sort of starts the new movement, the new age, the church and the mission 
to uh, evangelize the world. Okay? Yep. Um, where does that play out, this promise for the Holy Spirit? Where does it play out? Yeah, like, pass when, do, when do they receive the Holy Spirit? should be a... I think it's kind of a... At Pentecost? Hey! Ray, I win. Yeah, so uh, right, basically right away. So there's a little scene. Jesus ascends into heaven, and then uh, they pick a successor for Judas Iscariot, who's, who's died, or who's killed himself, and who needs to be replaced for the, to, for the number 12. And then uh, you have Pentecost, the scene with uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, with Mary there, and some other disciples, and then the apostles, especially. Okay, so they get the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit stays active throughout this book of Acts. In fact, some would say that the the book should properly be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit, rather than the Acts of the Apostles, because it's really the Holy Spirit who drives the, the drama of the story, the action, and is always working alongside these apostles, or with them, or through them. You know, kind of guiding them along the way. All right? That's the setup. Now, who is this spirit? I'm following. Yeah? You got it? I'm following. Now, this Chris is, Chris is a, an alumnus of the great Franciscan uh, University at Steubenville. Go fighting barons. So, like, this strong house of Catholic charismatic uh, life. Um, aware of the Holy Spirit, trained in the Holy Spirit. So I'm, I'm relying on you to be our side yeah. expert. Of the I Holy consider Spirit. myself more of a street-level theologian. <laughs> the pneumatologist. Yeah, exactly. That's all right. Armchair. Sorry, a little, a little sip of spritz. Okay, so let me get into these five. I know this is going to be a no, little no, bit no, no. So I got long a, and loaded. I got a question for you. So exegete Michael Rapp here. Um. How do I say this? I'm a dogma guy, so I'm into the kind of the 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 formulations of the Holy Spirit, and I understand that this this happens fairly late. You know, it's really not till the the late fourth century that we see a dogmatic formulation around the Holy Spirit. It's the Cappadocian fathers, and this is after Nicaea, who really articulate for the first time the divinity of the Holy Spirit. And then it's, of course, the only reason we, we ever formulate dogma is when it's violated or in response to that. So, But it's at the Council of Constantinople in yeah. 381 that this actually comes to be. So my question is, we're talking about Luke here. We're talking about Acts. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. But like, what, how do I say this? Like, what was the, what was the understanding of the Holy Spirit in the first century, uh, you know? Like, what, what, like how, did they, how did they envision this? Like, first century Christians, you know? Because they, they hadn't... They didn't have the sense, the, the dogmatic articulations that we have. Right. Know. So it's a phenomena, okay? So the Holy Spirit shows up in a lot of different ways. We're going to talk about several of those kind of different forms that it takes. Um, was it considered a third person of the Holy Trinity and uh, all of that theology worked out at the time of Acts? I don't know. I don't know how much of that was. This author of Acts doesn't seem to be terribly concerned about defining all those dogmas mm. yet. Interesting. Um, in the story, the Holy Spirit is this character who is playing a lot of different parts and a lot of different roles. It's mysterious. It's connected to God. It's above all the human beings that it's inspiring. It's not an angel. 
um, I think that they probably had a very, what we might call a high pneumatology. We talk about high Christology and early uh, in New Testament stuff, but um, it's hard to prove. A lot of scholars will debate um, what the people considered this Holy Spirit to be. Mm. Um, and those things are worked out later. Um, but like you said, that's usually as a, as a response to a critique of the phenomenon or confusion about the phenomenon. Right. And then having to articulate these things in a dogmatic way. So it, that does not mean that from the very start, these people did not know the same truths about the Holy Spirit, right? Um, Jesus might very well have taught them a lot of things about the Holy Spirit that aren't just written down in a theological way, right? right? But are plugged into the story and show um, show themselves through the way that the Holy Spirit works. Right. But it is mysterious. It's hard to really pin down. There's some kind of wild things that the Holy Spirit does in the book that um, are maybe um, standardized or kind of reined in a little bit right. in, in later treatment. Okay. I think, that, I think that's important, yeah, just to recognize, like, belief is not conditioned upon the, the way that we conceptually understand the Holy Spirit now nowadays, after the 4th century or whatever that might be. But... You look at the Apostles' Creed from very early on, you know, everything we have creedally, you know, early on is is people professing belief in the Holy Spirit, and it's there. It's just kind of the mystery is still there, you know. Yeah, and, and uh, in John's Gospel, you get this promise from Jesus that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal all things to you. So the church, things, things will come to light. Yeah. Understanding will be developed. Right. All of these things are expected to move into the future. Right. They're not expected to all be worked out right then. Right. Um, but that's okay because you have the presence of the Holy Spirit right. in the church. Okay, so who is the Spirit? Uh, I'm just going to kind of fly through these. He's on his iPad here. He is. I like do. I have very, my PDF outline uh, PDF here. outline. That's impressive. PDF. Uh, <laughs> I feel like very nerdy. With He's got cool socks on. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Okay, so it's a spirit of mission. It's guiding, um, guiding the mission of the uh, of the church. Jesus had said, uh, "Stay in Jerusalem till you receive, uh, till you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, uh, and you you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth." So the Holy Spirit's power is connected with their mission to go and evangelize. And then throughout the book, you're going to see the Holy Spirit drove them to this place, invited them to this place, prepared the way for them in this place, mm. and then give them the skills to be able to um, to evangelize, to carry out that mission, right? Okay, that's the spirit of mission. It's the spirit of guidance. So, um, for example, the Holy Spirit sends Peter to, to Cornelius in Acts 10.19, but also... Um, can prevent missionaries from doing something they want. Okay, so um, Acts 16, 7, uh, 6 and 7 says, And they, that is Paul, Silas, and Timothy, went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Strange. Mm-hmm. Why would the Holy Spirit stop them from speaking the word of God? And when they had come opposite Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, it's not only a it's not only a driving spirit that's going to empower you to do whatever you want. 
it's a spirit that's going to help guide you mm. to make the right decisions for uh, where God needs um, you to go and what you, to, you know, what he needs you to do. So uh, just thinking kind of like connecting these to, to life, everybody's called to, to, uh, to uh, carry out the will of God and to ask the question, what is the will of God for my life? What's the will of God for this day? What should I be doing? And the Holy Spirit is the one who really guides us along that, along that path. Um, okay. And sometimes the Holy Spirit is saying, don't go. Yeah. It is actually restraining. Don't do what you think it's not is a really good idea. It's not always pushing beyond, but yeah, sometimes restraining from our own desires, yeah. you know, because we think this is how it's going to be fulfilled or this is what I'm going to do or, you know, this is what it's going to look like. And, uh, yeah, and if Paul and Silas yeah. would have just gone with their conviction, what they wanted to do, they would not have done the will of God. But they listened to the Holy Spirit, and it actually like prevented them from doing something they were interested in doing. And to me here, the, I mean, it's a, it's a good time to bring up the fact that, uh, I mean, who wrote Acts, right? It's Luke, who, I mean, he's really integral to the Christian community, but, I mean, he's a follower of Paul, and so he's going to have a lot of that same viewpoint in terms of, Ooh, you you've know. you've been reading. I like this. I, I had no idea what we were talking about before I came, so I'm just making it up as I go along. But anyway, um, no, I, I, I mean, I really feel like, you know, following that Pauline vision of, I mean, Paul had a very clear sense once he encountered, you know, God, the Spirit of God, of what his mission was and where he should go and when it was time to move on and when it was time to... So, I mean, I think that seeing it through that lens gives a better sense of what, you know, is actually going on. Yeah. Traditionally, uh, Luke, the, uh, this author, was a traveling companion of Paul. And um, this is one of those pieces of evidence that, that could very well have been the case and um, that this is just part of the Christian life from the beginning. And Paul was good at what he did because he paid attention to the Holy Spirit and he was discerning. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so it's a spirit of uh, communion. So at Pentecost, you got all of these languages that come. You know, this phenomenon of they're speaking in tongues. Um, they're, they're speaking languages that they don't understand or they're understood by other people um, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So essentially what that's doing is drawing the people into community, uh, bringing disparate people together, and it'll keep doing that throughout the the, the book. Um, what exactly they were saying and what they were speaking, we don't actually know. There's a lot of robust debate over whether the gift of tongues is an ability to speak other languages, or is it that they're speaking... In, there, there are some Jews of the first century um, at Qumran, whoever wrote the Testament of Job, who thought that you could uh, that the angels spoke a specific language and that human beings who were inspired could speak that language of the angels. Mm. There's something of that suggested by uh, 1 Corinthians. Paul says, if I speak in tongues of angels, uh, but I don't have love, and then he goes on, you know. Um, were they speaking uh, like a heavenly language? We don't know. Were they speaking, uh, was it just an ecstatic experience where they're speaking nonsense, but it's understood? Nobody knows. Okay, but um, I think what we do, you can see in the book, in the pattern of the book, is that this phenomena of speaking these various languages draws people who are separate back together. So it's like the opposite of, of Babel, Babel. Yeah, right? I was going to say, yeah. 
Yeah. You got the tower splits mm-hmm. all everybody into different languages, and this is the kind of the unifying principle, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's interesting to think about the relationship of communion and communication. Mm-hmm. That they're they're intimately connected. That uh, you you can't have communion apart from some kind of shared mode of communication. Um, and how many times over here? We're we're living in Italy. Have you said I would like to get to know that person? I'd like to have a conversation. I'd like to connect with them. Right. But I don't know that language. Right. I can't communicate with that person, and that's it's not going to happen. There's right. no communion. Well, just even to share, you know, personally, we uh, you know tonight we had a a really beautiful mass. There's about 25 priests um, because our one of our favorite restaurants nearby Abruzzi, one of the waiters sadly passed away very suddenly. And so we had a mass here at the house for, um, which Father Brian Graby uh, organized. For Livio. For Livio. Pray for Livio. He was Um, was a good guy. But the staff of the restaurant came. But I I wanted to communicate my condolences, but I didn't didn't know how. And it was a a block to communion because I was trying to, but you don't really know how do you, how do you say these things, you know, and how do you... How do you communicate what you're you're feeling in your heart, you know? And so I think that there's a relationship there between communication and uh, yeah. and the experience of communion. So and even like when you can speak the same language, there's a, often everybody feels like some people who they'd like to be connecting, whether it's in families or friends or um, what whatever, you know. Um, we're having we're having a hard time communicating. You just can't connect with each other. Um, and then there's other times when there's like breakthroughs and it's like, you know, you're just speaking the same language, even if it's the same thing, you know. Um, but the spirit has the ability to do that. To kind well, of even this, this mass we were at yesterday with the Filipinos, are, right? you know, I mean, and we t- talk about the universality of the mass, you know, and how wherever you are in the world, you're celebrating the same. But there were still portions where we felt, and it was a beautiful community, and the priest was joyful, and, and you could tell that he was really connecting with his people, and um, and, and yet there, we felt this sense of separation from them, even though we knew generally most of the times where we were in Mass um, and what was going on, we didn't feel as a part of their community. A lot of that was that language barrier. Yeah, and on this side, it's going to be like that sometimes. I mean, sometimes there are manifestations of this connection in the church, but those are always a preview of heaven. So in heaven, somehow, we'll all be able to... We'll all be speaking Spanish. Live in community. <laughs> Maybe they were speaking Spanish. That could be the angelic tongue. That's Some have claimed Guad- that. Our Lady Guadalupe. Right, is this number four? Oh, you che- he's checking his watch. No, I'm just... I'm okay. Just, we, we are distracting the you. The spirit got- is the spirit of boldness. Is this number four? Or insight. I don't, I've, I don't know how to count. We've you already established that. Don't you have a list on your iPad? <laughs> My PDF. All right, go ahead. Okay, the spirit You're of losing boldness. Chris Moore. He's going. He's I know. Chris is taking <laughs> off. Chris He's is just leaving. <laughs> he doesn't even. All okay. right, go ahead. Continue. Spirit what, of boldness. What is the, spirit of boldness, What's baby? the Greek word that boldness or insight is? Parousia. Yes, parousia. This is one of my favorites, of course. So uh, Peter and John get in trouble for teaching in the temple. They go on trial and uh, the authorities of the, in the, of the temple ask them, by what power, remember power is associated yeah. with the Holy Spirit, or by what name, exousia, name is usually associated with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exousia, that's authority. That's, yeah. That's good. Yeah, thank uh, you. Well done, <laughs> Greek scholar. Um, 
By what power, by what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, responds to them. Okay, so he's kind of showing them. He's not going to tell them um, what gives him authority, but he does show them, and it's the Holy Spirit that does that, the spirit of prophecy and the spirit that Jesus had, right? Okay, so um, in reaction, these critics um, respond by amazement at their boldness. They say, when they... Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they wondered, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Hmm. In, in a way, that means that they share his spirit. You know, they've caught something of his, his style. They don't understand. They express it this way, that they had been with Jesus, because they don't know about the Holy Spirit. They don't, they don't have that. At least that's the claim right. of this right. author, right? Okay, so... Um, after their trial, they go home, they go to their own people, and um, they all pray a prayer together, and they ask that the Lord um, grant, well, this is a quote again, grant to thy servants to speak thy word with all boldness, while thou stretchest out thy hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of the holy servant, uh, of thy holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Okay, so the manifestation of the Spirit is this parousia. Okay, I have, I have a, a, a very scholarly um, argument for why I think that might be insight, hmm. to be able to explain something that you know to be complicated or mysterious, but to explain it really well hmm. and really clear to someone. Um, but it can also mean just confidence, boldness. Like they're not afraid to speak the word. And that's usually how it's translated. Yeah. Either way, this comes from the Holy Spirit, and uh, you'll find it as a pattern throughout Acts. Last one, spirit of serenity and mercy. Okay? So this one comes uh, manifested in the story of Stephen. Stephen the deacon, who um, gives this long speech in Acts 7... And there's descriptions of Stephen this way. And Stephen, full of grace and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Right? Sounds like the Holy Spirit is involved. Um, The people could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. Okay. Now, um, at the end of the story, we see Stephen with a face like an angel uh, peered up into heaven And uh, full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And then at the end, they start stoning him, and he says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he knelt down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them, echoing the words of Jesus when he Mm -hmm. was crucified. Mm -hmm. Forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. Um, This has been uh, shown to be... a result of having this Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, being overcome with the Holy Spirit. He has the face of an angel, and he responds to this persecution with peace. Uh, He's not threatened by it. He's not freaking out. And with mercy, he asks God to forgive them, even while they're committing this, this, uh, they're stoning him. You know, this is a very uh, dangerous, difficult situation. And uh, the Spirit is giving this this kind of peace. Okay, so this is a great spirit. You got these five different manifestations. And uh, then the question becomes, how do you get that spirit? If you read this book, you should be asking this question. I want that spirit, 
how do I get that spirit? So how do you get the spirit according to the book? According to the book, I was going to relate a story. I mean, yeah, yeah, because because okay. what you're touching on to me, and it's you know, it's reflected throughout the whole of Christian history, and not just, um, not just the Book of Acts. So I mean, it's it's probably a little bit broader than what you're asking. But you know, this morning I had the, the great opportunity to go visit the the Scavi necropolis underneath oh, you know, yeah. the excavations under Saint Peter. I mean. You look at, um, you know, in St. John Chrysostom is is buried, you know, in one of the side chapels in St. Peter's Basilica, and he he gave this great homily, uh, you know, about the timid men at the heart of the gospel, you know, and these were fishermen, they were, they were, um, they, they weren't smart, they were all young, you know, um, probably only Peter was, was uh, you know, an adult when they were called, right? Um and they were and they were very fearful at you know after the resurrection they were locked in a room for fear and Jesus promises them peace when he when he offers the spirit you know yeah um and and it's that and the reception of the spirit and the witnessing of the resurrection um transforms them and it's a serenity i think that you're talking about here um that goes to the very heart of who they are but they only can they can only see that in light of the, re- of the resurrected Christ and the reality of the Spirit revealing themselves as sons and daughters of God, meant to inherit the eternal kingdom, you know, sent with, like, divine purpose. And that's where the serenity comes from, is, like, mm. no, no sto- it's the calming of the sea all over again. That's, if, if I'm given this purpose, then no martyrdom, no anything, because everything, you know, temporal is, is just... Yeah, a roadblock. Suffering you know? is like yeah, so. Transient. I mean, that serenity is like a real, profound knowledge of. I mean, Mother Teresa mm-hmm. went through you know these the spiritual darkness after a period of you know ecstasy, but you know the long period of spiritual darkness. Saint Francis was sickly all the time, had the stigmata. Padre Pio had the stigmata, you know, and, and suffered greatly. And going, you know, I ran into you in Santi Apostoli today. You know, here's two more guys. I mean. Ten of the eleven remaining apostles were martyred, right? Yeah. And they were locked in a room, fearful. And the only thing that changed was they received the Holy Spirit. Yeah, um, and that's and they the- went boldly, they went joyfully, they went to the ends of the earth. Thomas went to India, you know. And so th- there's a real marked difference in them. Yeah, um, and that's that's clear vision. So I would add clear vision yeah. of, of of you know beatific vision you know and I don't I don't know if I can yeah. pick out a story in Acts that really demonstrates that but they have a real cl- clear vision at that point that can only be given by the Spirit of yeah. what God's eternal plan they know is for God them. they know themselves they know this plan yeah yeah and I, I mean I think that's really the 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 sort of glory of the church that Luke saw when he wrote this this story, or he recorded this history. He's probably gathering a lot of old traditions and recounting history, but he tells it in his way. And his way is, we got to celebrate this fact, that this community has the Holy Spirit, and it can do this stuff. This is amazing. What happens with the apostles is, is a testament to what God can do with his Holy Spirit. So, another quiz show. Coming back oh, to the quiz no, show. I hate quiz show. How do you get that spirit? Well, this yeah. should be a very basic Christian question. Yeah. How do you get the Spirit? Well, I would first say, before answering that question, that it must have been incredible for Luke, just as, as a, you know, whatever, being with Paul 
and kind of, you know, an early Christian, just to experience the way that Christ was being communicated in his church. I, I, I think of, when I think of the Holy Spirit and the kind of the power of all of this, it must have been magnificent for them. In those early years, Christ has died and been resurrected and ascended, but then the, the life of the church kind of begins and unfolds. But it must have been unbelievable to see how the Spirit of Christ, like you were just talking about, Chris, and like you, you've been talking about here, Mike, uh, how it was communicated to like regular human beings um, mm. and how subsequent generations who didn't even physically know Christ um, that must have been amazing, you know. We kind of take that for granted. We think, yeah. oh, yeah, you know, it just kind of plays out. But Luke must have been so captivated by that his whole life uh, yeah. to be fascinated by the fact that the Spirit of Christ is is profoundly communicated, and uh, and and the, this is a real Spirit, so much so that it's a real person. And he must have known something of that himself. Yeah. Obviously, you know, yeah. he doesn't talk about himself, but the author is operating with just an awareness of how these things work. That must come from the Holy Spirit. You know? So the question. Yeah, yeah. How do you get the Holy Spirit? Oh, man. If ask you, for uh, it. Oh, come on. Ask for it. Here's our Steubenville guy. I'm going to pass them All on. right. I'm going to take you guys. I'm going to give you a lesson in catechesis. This is RCIA 101. You got to repent and get baptized. That's Acts 2. That's the first lesson. If you don't get baptized, you can't have the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit does act outside of baptism in Acts. That's the weird thing. And that's the part where it's like, well, how did he get into that community? I don't think that's weird at all. I mean, I think, you know, this, this, the Spirit is not going to be... Lib- I mean, yes, we were given a commission to baptize, but I don't think the Spirit's going to limit himself to... But you've got to be baptized to get the Spirit. And it, Maybe okay, in the so, same way. So here's the thing that Acts does. And you could dispute this, but I think Acts... I choose to dispute it. Does not show the Holy Spirit working um, outside of outside of the sacraments unless it's driving people toward them. Okay, so Paul goes to Athens and he talks to people who are outside of the mystery of the incarnation and revelation, right? But they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. He just says you should make sense of things and come to the the knowledge of what we're doing, and it should make sense to you. But when the Holy Spirit acts outside of baptism in Acts, it's simply to draw people into this this mystery, and then they get baptized. Okay, so this is the normative way. Okay, sure, but okay, and maybe you're getting there. But my question to you then would be like, then why are so many of us fearful? Why are so many of us lacking in courage? Why are so many of us la- missing these That's five it. points? Yes, I like that. That's a leading question. Okay, so. There's okay. Yeah, there's leading questions. two manifestations of the Holy Spirit that come sacramentally in the book. One is baptism, and that happens periodically. So that's pretty clear that there was a, a ritual that had to be done. Okay, you had to get baptized, and that's very clear in in Peter's speech in Acts two, and then in uh, in Acts nineteen. It talks about these Ephesians who got baptized, but it was the wrong baptism. It was John Baptist's. Uh, repent, uh. Re, baptism of repentance, but they weren't baptized in the name of Jesus, and they hadn't received the Holy Spirit. So Paul has to lay his hands upon them, but it says that only after they were baptized, then Paul laid his hands upon them, and they received the Holy Spirit. This is part of where we get this tradition of confirmation, right? So there's a distinction between baptism and the laying on of hands, the receiving of the Holy Spirit. 
but it looks like a ritual practice that confers this Holy Spirit. Huh. Okay, and you can't just want it. You can't buy it. There's a guy in Acts eight, um, the magician who wants to buy it. You can't buy the Holy Spirit. It has to come through these channels. You have to be connected to the church. Okay, that's the first thing. But this spirit is not always acting perfectly in the lives of Christians. I know that. You know that. Um, we wish that. We all had these traits all the time. Okay, here's where the advice comes in. The community in Acts 4, as we've just, uh, or as we had talked about, prays for the Holy Spirit, prays for power, prays for courage. Um, you could assume that the, in these other cases, they pray for serenity or guidance. And then the Holy Spirit is given to them. These were people who were already baptized and presumably confirmed. But they ask for something from God, and God gives them the Holy Spirit. Now, you can't have more or less, but it's the Holy Spirit activates something and gives them that power. And it's something that this second Pentecost at the end of Acts 4 suggests that we should be praying for very regularly. If you want these these things to happen in your life, if you want this to be a part of your life, pray for the Holy Spirit to be manifest in your life, to be helping you with things. This is the paraclete. It's the helper. And, uh, but there seems a connection between this prayer for help and then the Holy Spirit being uh, filling these people. So you can ask for it. That's, uh, you know, that's the second step. Yeah. You have it already, but you can ask for the Holy Spirit yeah. to inspire activity. You know? Yeah, I was, I was thinking about the, the Christian life in general. This is kind of like a bit of a tangent, but so much of the time we, we encounter Christ and we see this kind of vision for how we should live. And then we think, I have to conform my life to this and yeah. I need to do this for Jesus. How do I become like Jesus? How do I become like Jesus? And we stop asking. We stop, we stop asking for this. You know, we, we forget that the Holy Spirit is real and that, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are real and the fruits of the Spirit are real and that they, 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 they give kind of very profound uh, configuration to Christ in a way that without, without asking, we just kind of struggle in our own ways. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's good to just re kind of be reinserted back in Acts and see, see all these things and, and hear these again. And, you know, so. Ignatius says the first step in any prayer is ask for the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, pray for that. Ask for that and set yourself in um, kind of aware of the Holy Spirit having been given you and, and active in your life. And I think that that would go a long way for most Catholics, just to be aware of the Holy Spirit's presence in their life and then to ask regularly for help. And I really, I really believe that the we, when we are at our most vulnerable, when we're at our lowest, when we're suffering the most, that the Spirit is the person that we need to go to. We see lots of examples, you know, that that's what lifted, you know, the church up. It li- it's what lifted up the downtrodden. Whatever. I mean, Christ really encounters people personally on the front, but who's lifting them up from below? You know, I think it's really the Holy Spirit. There's a really great. Um, uh, set of books out by Luis M. Martinez. He was a you know bishop in Mexico that have recently been translated oh, yeah. into English. The Sanctifier, different nice. books like that. And he's a really great spiritualist who explains especially the plight of the brokenhearted, the people who are really suffering, who are really searching for some you know deeper meaning, or even just saying, 
I mean, because a lot of us have been there, you know, where God's just not active in my life right now. I don't feel his presence. And, you know, he ha- he has a lot of good reflections on just, you know, where is the spirit in all of that? Where is God in all of that? And it's always, you know, right there with you in, in the silent places, right? I mean, at, at creation, it's the wind, you yeah. know, that, <laughs> that rushes over the water. But and, a lot of it is just like, wake up you know, see what you're not looking at. Exactly. I mean, but we need someone to open our eyes. I mean, that's, that's yeah, really yeah. the prayer is we'll open our eyes to the spiritual reality that's around us. All right. That's your Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. If you got any advice right. out there in listener land, send it to me before I give this to the, it's the, already out. The nuns. It's already out. Yeah. Before you, when are you giving it to the nuns, you know, um, it's a two part conference, um, starting this Sunday and this, I don't think this thing will be, published before then but then there's another one in december so ah, okay good all right so we're gonna do some shout outs here and then we're gonna wrap this thing up so chris get ready you have some shout outs by the mic as well i'll start us off here so uh, paul flourish was the seminarian from omaha uh, that we had dinner with on saturday night hey paul and uh he was at the other side of the table from you i think he was at the far end and of course matt miller from duluth and Matt Miller's sister is coming into town, and she's very excited to meet you because she likes it when Father Mike gets uncomfortable in social settings. That's what she oh, said. are you yeah. awkward? <laughs> yeah. Matt's not I, like that, is he? I don't he? know if she's awkward, but Matt just said... He's just fun and playful. His, He's like a little puppy. He is like a little puppy. So anyways, Matt, Paul, you guys are awesome. We had a great uh, dinner with all those guys on yeah. Saturday night. So yeah. Great dinner. Thanks, guys. Uh, and then Irene, Irene, the Italian... Irene. Irene. I don't know. She said it. I couldn't pronounce it. But um, Tim Danaher does our emails. And uh, he said there's this Italian who is uh, uh, actually listens to the podcast. And her English is amazing, better than ours. And uh, she, uh, she listens. And we had a wonderful lunch together this week. And uh, so I said, I'll give you a shout out. And Eduardo. She's a, a, she's a Giussani. What do they she, call them? She was in uh, Cellini. Cellini. Yeah, yeah she yeah, was yeah. CL. Grew up CL, and uh, but uh, she was in Nottingham when she met the podcast. Big uh, fan girl of Bob Barron, so she's a Bishop Barron. Fan. Oh yeah. And uh, so, anyways, she was a wonderful. It was wonderful to meet her, and we need to go up to uh, Bologna and hang out okay. with her family. So deal. Yeah, that's not good. And uh, and then lastly, I said uh, a shout out to Jude Severson and Colton and Julia. His uh, either brother and sister and brother-in-law and sister-in-law, but he's going to meet us in Rome next week when we go to the audience with the Pope, with all the companions. So that's going to be cool. We're going to meet Pope Pope Francis with all the companions, oh, like yeah. real briefly. He's going to be a, a great He's going to take a photo Everything's going to be It'll funny. look cool on Instagram at least. And so anyways, Jude's going to come and meet us afterwards. So we look forward to that. And then lastly, I just want to say, before Father Brian Park and... Um, Eric Brombeck come. There's two new podcasts out of St. Paul, Minnesota, and one is a companion, Father uh, Father Brian Park. It's called the uh, Monday Morning Catholic Quarterback. So he breaks down like a quarterback would the uh, Sunday readings. Oh yeah, check it out. And uh, and then uh, Brombeck and the boys have this podcast called Sons of Thunder. So check these two podcasts out. These are our friends. So Boenergies. So anyways, that's it. Go ahead. Oh, Any I'm just, outs? I just, I, I'm excited to have uh, Chris Moore here. Um, I want to shout out Jason Moore, his brother, who's a Capuchin Franciscan. Um, Father Chris Renner, who was my pastor in Evergreen. 
Father Jim Fox, who was my pastor in Craig and is now in Evergreen, and the whole community out there. Um, I loved my time in great, at Christ great, the King great, Parish. Great people. I've been there 17 years, and it's it. Sometimes it feels like 1700, and sometimes it feels like 17 months. But it yeah, is, great, it, great people, people there. This is paradise. <laughs> Just inside the mountains, there's elk wandering around everywhere. There are pro hockey players skating with the kids on the local. On the Evergreen Lake, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an incredible garage sale every year. The garage sale's great, great. It was, it was no, really, I love it. Was it. A, the people it was are big, our biggest ever this year. So anyway, that's all my shout outs. I don't give cool. a lot of shout outs. That's that's cool. Cool. I I also have to give a shout out to uh, Laura, Tom, and uh, Peter Sursich, I guess Johnny too. Oh, yeah. Johnny's, but uh, yeah, Laura told me I had to. She's she's on the trip with us here, and her son's a seminary for the Archdiocese of Denver, studying here in Rome. Um, and he's a, he's a really good guy. We've been really lucky from Christ the King. We've got several vocations kind of percolating, you know, in, in the pot right now, and you know, coming up, and you know, a few ordinations. So we're really excited about that. And then um, uh, wanted to give a shout out to my uh, my Steubenville people, especially the NAH boys, um, and in a special way, my my good friend Mike Pandel, who's my roommate in college. He lost his mother this week, so his um, oh, uh, prayers for prayers for soul would be really appreciated. Absolutely. Oh, uh, also John Klosner. Yes, big John Klausner. We got to give a shout to him. He's awesome. But I think that's it. that's it. He's he's the only person that's been there longer than I have. I think. Oh yeah, holding it down. All right, uh, like us on Facebook. <laughs> well, that's it, people. Ask for the Holy Spirit. So. Email us at uh, gmail dot com. What is hey, the uh, what's the what's <laughs> the actual email address? Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail dot okay. com. Great to have Chris Moore here. Absolutely. Uh, Support uh, Christ the King Parish and Evergreen. They're doing great work, and uh, we're heading we're heading out. Uh, you know, we're gonna be on conference with the boys, so pray for us. And uh, a few days on the Amalfi, and then we'll see you in December. Enjoy your lead up to we'll Advent, you people. In, uh, we'll see you in, in Advent. So Catholic Stuff Podcast. Thanks for listening. Send us emails, and we'll talk to you soon. Ciao, ciao.